The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber is back at the New York Stock Exchange. Stocks continue to try to break out of this two-week range. A busy setup today. Got retail guidance, China's reopening, a key healthcare conference, and, of course, bank earnings start on Friday. Our roadmap begins with stocks, though, looking to build on that big rally Friday. Plus, we got shares of Lululemon. They are sinking ahead of the open. The retailer lowered its holiday quarter gross margin guidance. And China's technology names, well, they're getting a big boost this morning on signs that the country's heavy-handed regulatory crackdown is nearing an end. Let's start with the markets. After Friday's jobs number did help stocks kick off the new year with a positive week, Jim, over the weekend. Uh, Stiefel says maybe 4,300 by Q2. Well, look, I think that there are two markets now. We now know that anything that's high multiple forget. And Lulu was a good example of that. Lulu's a great company, but they uh, changed their guidance by two cents. Stock plummets. But if you have anything good to say about a company that has a multiple that's roughly around the market or below, anything good, it goes higher. And if you don't say anything at all, it could go higher. So, uh, David, I think that what we've got is a realization that you have to be able to put an, a P.E. on a stock for it to go up. And if it doesn't have one, it's a source of funds. Right. Uh, in the brief time we had together last week, Jim, you were saying something similar coming right out, of course, the, of the new year. Is there something that changes that calculation for you? Or is this a theme that we're going to be hearing much of this year? I think you're going to have to see definitive recognition that cloud is not as fast as it used to be, uh, that there are too many companies in that are going head to head, uh, that the like you're seeing from Salesforce, there's got to be more than just small cuts. Has to be big cuts. But when does the cost cutting start to really resonate with shareholders to the extent that it does get start to get rewarded in the stock market? I think you have to look at what happened with Zuckerberg, who basically just said, OK, look, uh, we don't have the horses. We have got to make very big cuts with an, with an open mind that there'd be more cuts coming. And that's what Salesforce did. And then, boom, they followed up immediately. Look, I think that a lot of companies came public in the last three, four years that competed against the older companies. And uh, you, you're, I'm sure you're going to be talking about uh, there's an acquisition day. And some of the, uh, the some of the private equity firms are taking advantage of these prices. But, you know, Carl, I think when you own, let's use a good example of a stock that my chapter trust has owned forever, Amazon. Until Amazon actually lays off the number of people, not 18,000, not even 180,000, maybe 300,000. You have to lay off everybody you brought, you, you hired last year. The yeah, economy's I mean, not strong enough. You mentioned uh, Benioff's uh, warning that we could do this in, in yeah. multiple rounds. Uh, the Goldman reported cuts are not quite as bad as some had thought. No. Um, we'll see what happens later in the week. But, but right. isn't there a sense that companies are going to try to do this with the smallest knife possible, not the biggest? Well, I think that there was a big problem at Salesforce, and I think that was the co-CEO, uh, Brett Taylor. I don't want to throw him under the bus. I mean, the guy was spending a huge amount of time doing what he had to do at Twitter. He was chairman. Uh, but they made two giant acquisitions. They made an acquisition of Slack, which was 
a huge, just a huge number of people. And they bought Tableau, uh, a huge number of people. And they have not rationalized it. They have multiple people uh, even on your account. And that's going to change. And when that changes, you're going to get a, a 20% grower with a lot of earnings per share. David, I think that Mark Benioff is firing the people who should have been fired a long time ago. Do you think any of this is a result of having a, uh, an activist shareholder there? Not that they may they may have a perfectly work. more than one activist. Well, I've, I've heard the same. More I've heard the activist. same. Uh, more I, than one right. activist there. And the activists are all basically saying, Mark, you know, you could easily do these changes and get these earnings really higher. And uh, I think Mark, as he was, uh, and his book tells you that, sensitive to when he was going to buy Twitter and his large shareholder said, are you kidding me? He's really being responsive to shareholders. People feel he's responsible to the community, responsible to the Ohana. Uh, he remembers that the shareholders own the company. And that means that a stock that has been not a good stock nope. could turn around. I know it's been terrible stock uh, because he understands that the acquisitions were not integrated correctly. He wasn't alone, though, of course, in uh, uh, among CEOs who hired too many people during the pandemic period of incredible growth and assume somehow that this was going to be maintained for many years to come. There were quite a few. I mean, oh. really, that's what we're seeing now is the final sort of reversal to a certain extent of just some of even a relatively small percentage of those who were hired during that period well, by, right. by by technology companies that were seeing enormous amounts of growth. And by the way, getting rewarded for it during that period in the oh, stock market. They had to do it. I mean, what was so tough was that they had to play the game in order to get their stock up. But then, boom, at the, you know, November of 2021, when things were in their heyday, they had to make the change. And frankly, no one did. No one at all. It's almost as if uh, the Fed made the change and these people said, we don't have anything to do with that. Like, why are we, we, we're not economically sensitive. That turned out to be Quite wrong. Although over the weekend, a lot of work done on how wage growth appears to be rolling over at multiple income levels without a big spike in unemployment, which, I mean, that soft landing thesis got a lot of oxygen over the weekend. I don't know what happened. I wrote a piece for a club member saying, I, I have been so pro Jay Powell that people have been saying, you know, what is it between you and Jay? And I said, well, I, I barely know the guy, but I, I think he's doing a pretty good job. And the same people who were saying he's too soft are now saying he's being tough. And people just feel the need to comment. Stick with commenting on the, on, on, uh, the speaker race. I mean, that, was, that was worth any amount of comment. Not, not to us, but I mean, we, look, what happened here is pretty simple. We got too hot. They felt like that rates had to go higher. It's beginning to bite into uh, sales. You'll have a company like Macy's, which did do a guide down. Uh, and you say to yourself, all right, well, we're beginning the rollover. Let's buy companies whose stocks are not expensive. Uh, Oracle. Oracle's a good example. Oracle's the second upgrade we got. It's just an inexpensive stock. And let's sell the stocks of companies that came public in the last few years that you've never really heard of that look a lot like dot-coms, but are not losing fortunes. Mm-hmm. They're not losing fortunes. But Oracle's the kind of stock people want. Low multiple tech. Really intriguing to people with a very good acquisition where they just started. And because I wasn't here on Friday, your take coming out of that number, I mean, there still seems to be a good amount of concern about overall wage inflation, even though goods may well, no longer be uh, 
rising in price to the extent that they were or anywhere near that. Well, uh, are you feeling even better about things in yes, terms of I how am. this year plays out? Well, I am because I think that you can't just go from the crash landing is you go from high wages to low wages. The kind of thing that you really want to see is just leveling off and then down. And let's be let's be clear. It was the ISM number and the factory numbers that were very, very weak. So you had the market up. You had interest rates going lower. And then at 10 o'clock, you just had jet fuel poured on the market. And I've got to tell you that factory number down was yep. chilling because it said, hey, you know what? Look out. This thing's working. People didn't pay any attention to those numbers. But collectively at the stock market, wow, that's when they really that's when it roared. And that's when you saw interest rates go to the point where you said well, maybe there's not going to be a huge number of of, of boosts. Right. Maybe 25 now. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Jim mentions retail, and Lululemon is down on the pre-market. The company does expect gross margins to decline for the holiday quarter after previously forecasting an increase. They did raise revenue guidance for the period. That's the thing about these revenue guides. It's like, gross margins will miss, but sales are okay, and EPS probably in line. Well, look, I, I mean, Calvin McDonald was on, and I thought that this kind of was in line, uh, but in line ain't good enough. I mean, look, if you look at Macy's really closely, I know that Macy's had very, that there were issues to Macy's. But if we're going to critique retail along these lines, uh, what's going to happen is I think retail is going to be very disappointing, with the exception of Costco, which put out a number last Friday. It was gorgeous. Now, I mean, Costco, the companies that sell uh, the excess inventory, they're mm-hmm. going to be doing well. Mm-hmm. But... Look, I don't think Macy's going to be down huge. It just wasn't as great. Are you surprised at the reaction to Lulu again? Because the release itself is pretty basic, uh, and they don't really give you any the anything yes. to, to get particularly negative on in terms of their commentary. The only thing I can even read here is the quote from McDonald where he, where he talks about a dynamic macro backdrop. That's about the extent of his reference to why they'd be seeing margin guidance lower than had been anticipated or reducing their estimates by, let's call it, three cents at the top of the estimate I range. think if the stock didn't have a high multiple, it would have been unchanged. Mm. But the fact that it's a high multiple, it's like, well, you better blow it away. Calvin McDonald's is a superb executive, but you, you cannot just do it to come on our air, say they're going to do a number, and then do roughly the number. I mean, you kidding me? you got to under-promise and then over-deliver. And uh, Calvin McDonald's did a very good number, but it is price-to-earnings multiple. No. But it doesn't mean people are being going to Lulu and seeing 40% off sales. No, but it does mean that if you have a high multiple, no one knows how to value your stock. That's a good point. I mean, the good example is ANF uh, up today on their guide. Uh, Bros is going to do okay on their unit guidance. Well, I mean, it's not expensive. I mean, look, we got this bifurcated market where people are really excited. I mean, ANF is a little bit more, more expensive, but the stock's making a comeback. People are really, really excited about a company like, um, I'll give you a good example, a work day. Really? A company, never missed. The whole time, never missed. No one knows how to value the thing. No one. They don't. They don't. No, because we don't know what to pay for a, a company with. I know how to, well, what to pay for Caterpillar. And the answer is more than it's selling for. Because we are in, as uh, Calvin McDonald said, a dynamic macro backdrop. We have one. What is that? And dynamic means about, changing. Yes, changing. And big tech, I mean, these businesses have grown for so long. They don't really know an economy like this, a lot of them. Um, and obviously with the era of, of having no discipline being over, it's sort of a question mark as to what you end up with. 
Ooh, I love that. The era of no discipline. Part of investors too, don't you think? To some extent. David, again, sums it all up. But the companies that were disciplined, you, you get a Caterpillar, 18 times earnings. Get a Micron. Micron is, what, eight times earnings. I want to see. I know, but um, Micron, it just, it never seems to get better. I mean. Okay, it's down from 90, but it, it reported. Okay, you say it never seems to get better. Well, I'm, saying, I'm not talking about the stock, market, stock. I'm talking about the commentary around their business. Well, if you have Samsung in there just putting out chips that are below what costs in order to drive Micron out, I think that that's a legitimate worry. Have you looked at Samsung prices for the stuff? Uh, no, They're losing money on everything they sell. All right. Well, that's an issue, but it doesn't mean it's going to make things any better for Micron's yeah. business. It's interesting. You know, our our team put up uh, Dutch Bros. Yes. The earnings there, they're, I don't know, it's, it's okay. I mean, they're, they're looking for comps down six-tenths. Street was down three points. Uh, and their unit growth forecast, uh, by the way, McDonald's as well. I mean, you're starting to see companies see we're going to put the pedal to the metal on unit growth in the years to have. I read that McDonald's story. You know, we got the, the release came out with McDonald's. I, got, I read that as released that they're not going to tolerate. They may have too many people. They may have too many people. I mean, the McDonald's was good. I think that people don't like uh, they keep thinking there's a lot of inflation in that area. But not, not if you take that number. So let's sum it all up. If you think that that number was weaker then companies that hire a lot of people aren't going to have to pay up. So therefore, like Dutch Bros's company came on and said, listen, we're being killed by job hop. Someone else has got a better job. And that has been cut dramatically. And that's how you can get a stock that goes back up. But when you have an enterprise software company, you know, David, when you have Paycom, you know, it's not time. It's just not time for Paycom. It's not time for Procar. It might be time for MongoDB. It's not time for Toast. Zoom info, too early. Qualtrics, not ready yet. I mean, the companies that have been created. I mean, it's like kind of a. Or or not (laughs) not yet. This is like uh, the producers. I mean, I've got like, you know, I'm going to give you 110% of work day. I'm going to give you 140% of work day. I mean, these companies, they all like, you know, they all sold at some huge multiple and everyone's excited about them. And now people don't don't even want to think about them. They're upset. They're upset. They're like the Cowboys. Fugazis. Talk to me, Fugazis. Yep. Uh, quite a weekend of football. Congratulations Thank to you, you guys. Thank you much. Uh, when we come back, a lot of news out of China today, including Jack Ma ceding control of fintech giant Ant Group. Later on this hour, Merck shares jumped 45% last year. And we'll get a first on CNBC interview with CEO Robert Davis from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco. Very big event for healthcare uh, this week amid a flurry of headlines from multiple companies. There's futures. Let's get this week started. We're back in a minute. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. 
unlock the energy, and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Ant Group confirming that its founder, Jack Ma, is ceding control of Ant Group. Ant issued a statement over the weekend saying no shareholder alone or jointly with other parties will have control over the company. Ant and Ma have been a major focus of the regulatory crackdown in China, uh, resulting in the scuttling of that IPO in 2020. A couple of big upgrades, though, today, Jim. Goldman goes to conviction by uh, Morgan Stanley, ups their target by 50 percent. On Alibaba. Yeah. 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 Here we go again. Uh, they make some changes. They encourage Americans to come in. They get the stocks to go up. And then they come in and take your head off. Alibaba owns 33% of, um, of Ant. And as Carl said, of course, I mean, I can remember that summer we were preparing for what would have been the biggest IPO of all time in terms of potential proceeds. But don't you um, see that they, they want us back in? They want American money. Well, they've done any number of things. How many times have they that, done this? That, that are leading investors to believe that that long crackdown, you can remember, of course, it was, it was, it was Ant Financial. It was, oh, where is Jack Ma? Even though we did know kind of where he was. It was Didi and their moves there right after the IPO and any number of other things because it continued to actually get more uh, strict, stricter over time. Um, you know, maybe that's over uh, and maybe that has this is a sign of that. Ma agrees to sort of a very um, fairly convoluted um, move to basically dis- uh, disseminate his shares amongst any number of other things that will not give him that voting power. His equity uh, ownership stays the same. But has the Chinese decided that they don't like a lot of billionaires? They yes, think that, I think that right? that was part of what they didn't want to be America. I mean, I don't know what she's thinking, but that seems to be part of the, the process from these last couple of years. Well, look, these people are challenging to the regime. The, the changes in the regime in the last two weeks were r- radical. A- and uh, I still can't get over the fact that they said no COVID, no zero COVID, now max COVID. I know a lot of companies I, I, I are worried that the, that their factory is going to shut down, but the factory has been working. So there's not been a, a big decline in uh, there's We know that the, the ISM's down. We know that their growth is suboptimal versus ours. But. I mean, there was a confluence of factors, right? There was growing public uh, recriminations, right. which surprising, of course, in that country. Remember the protests going protests. on and then obviously coupled with was what was significantly diminished GDP numbers. I know uh, for China. Uh, that seemed to have finally galvanized the ruling, oh, well, and, and the ruler also, to say, okay. Right. Now, how about the idea that the the axis, Russia and China, 
I think that China forgot that most of their business is export, particularly to Europe. To Europe. And Europe is trying to figure out exactly what to do in a land war. I mean, I had Air Environment on, on Friday. They have, a, they have a drone. Well, let's put it this way. There's a Lockheed Martin drone. When you're two miles, you have to have sight of the tank. At two miles, you hit, and then you run. And these guys have a 40-minute drone that wipes out tanks. But our government has not given the go-ahead to Ukraine to buy all these. But everyone's trying to figure out whether there should be a real war waste or not. But if there's a real war, Ukraine wins because the, the, the actual hardware that we have would destroy everything. Right. Meantime, uh, MSCI Asia is up 20% from the October low. I mean, do we call that a new bull market in China? Is that too rich? Oh, I just can't stand the fact that it's a manufactured bull market. There's been nothing that's occurred. I mean, we're, we're, we're stuck with a real economy where we're really trying to do something. I think that this, David, I am sorry. You just, I think this whole period has just eliminated the notion that, that China is a legitimate stock market. It's a, okay, here, this is a good one. Which is more manipulated? Mm. Crypto? Or China? Am I supposed to answer that question? <laughs> well, I no, I, I, I I'm asking. Uh, I really Perry don't want here, to. So you're uh, able. My amazing producer, producer. Yes, I don't know no, that she I'm, would I, have an answer did, either. I don't, I, because you what? You're they're equally. So as, I guess my take from you is that you're still not a believer in Chinese stocks. No, I just they suck us in, and then they take our heads off, and we we always seem to fall for it. Look, they move the stock market up. I mean, does anybody really do, they? They can take the stock market to them is a plaything. We're stuck with like the Fed and the earnings and these CEOs and all these things that are like about business. They got a communist, they had a controlled economy. Hey, you know, it's like it's like she says, you know what, Alibaba, let, let's take up another 25 tonight. We can really sucker and everything. He doesn't do that. Like Kramer, Kramer said he didn't like Alibaba. Take it to 50 and just ruin his career. I mean, this is what they do. Why are we like. What do we? This, we have Duck Creek sure. Technologies. No, they have Alibaba. I'm sure she's sitting there right now. We thinking, have Duck Creek Technologies today. Suck them in. I want to get yeah, that Kramer. Suck them in. Watching right now. Yeah. What he spends most of his time thinking about. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My, my wife will hate that. I didn't mean that. I mean, there is just a propensity to believe that that they have to. They needed to take it up. So yeah. they did it. Yeah. We will get Kramer's mad dash as we get to the opening bell in a few moments. Take another look at futures on this uh, busy Monday morning. We're back in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Futures benefiting from some corporate guidance, but uh, mostly the continued decline in short-term yields. Two-year now uh, below 424. Uh, opening bell in a couple of moments here, and we'll get the Merck CEO, Robert Davis, from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. Keep it right here. All right, let's get to a mad dash with Jim before we get to an opening bell. We'll stick with the healthcare theme, given J.P. Morgan. Yeah, it makes me do an unbelievable job out there. I just want to point out what the the kinds of what happens out there. Regeneron, for instance, talks about how ILEA sales may not be as strong, and that's their drug for eye drug. Same time, they have a unique monoland 
monoantibody, monoantibody, and neutralizes all known variants of COVID-19, including the recent XBB. So you have to, when you're out there, you've got to take the good with the bad. They may have something new, but they may have something that's lagging of their of their old. It's a hard conference. I've covered it for a number of years. And you've got to be very, very cognizant of what Wall Street's looking for and what the company says about the future, because they're often very different. So I just meant, I bring it up as something that tells you don't jump when you hear something new. Uh, it's something old may be faltering. Got a bunch of uh, smaller healthcare deals coming out of that conference, too, Carl, yes. that we'll get to when we start to watch some of them trade this morning. Uh, yeah, we got news on Moderna, uh, this Paxlovid China thing, got a little bit of a, the needle moving when Reuters said that some of those talks have broken down regarding insurance in China, uh, which we talked about a bit on Friday. Here's the opening bell, though, and the CNBC real-time exchange at the big board, uh, Lupe Fund, celebrating 20 years of empowering and educating Latinas. And at the NASDAQ, as Jim said, the 41st annual J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference like a CVS will say things and they're slightly this is a good example by the way CVS not high multiple okay you know just a kind of a good solid story and they come up and you know, guide things up a little bit and next thing you know you got you know a little bit of gain there and then you have Lulu guiding him down a little bit and it gets crushed and I I think everyone should look over their portfolios and recognize but like I try to get people to do in the light round man money if you have a stock that sells at some price to sales, it's going away. Now, it won't go away like a dot-com because you have too much money. But, David, these companies that are, I mean, look, at Lulu was not big. Calvin McDonald was just on. Now it's got to hit, by the way, head and shoulders pattern. I know you Uh-oh, know. head and shoulders. That's but you, you have a lot of companies like, I don't know, Billy, you know, the Bill.com, okay? But it's a good company. Mm. But it doesn't matter. Pay.com. Mm. Anything fintech. Versus, say, MasterCard and Visa upgrade by key. Remember those companies? They're called the winners. And the fintech companies are called the losers. True. Would you consider Duck Creek a fintech company? Well, Toma Bravo and Vista Partners are like two giant puts. They just are like waiting. Now, that's a... That's a fintech for insurance. This is the company, right? Intelligence solutions provider defining the future of property and casualty insurance. Reason I mention it, and of course, you can see it right there. The stock is up. They they do a deal with Vista, 19 bucks a share. Um, there was competition, I'm told, and uh, they announced the deal at 7:30 this morning. It's a significant premium, as you see, over where the stock, of course, had been previously. There were no leaks. On this one, 2.6 billion. Apparently, very little to no debt being used, no leverage being used here, at least that I can see from uh, from Vista. But you've made the point. Vista very active last year in the public markets, as right. opposed to where they had typically played these last few years, which had been in the private markets, almost solely focused on uh, software as a service and you know SaaS companies. Um, yes, thank you for saying that. Because but, that's, uh, that's but they see the value is. now. We've made this point more in the public markets, which would seem to be a positive. And they continue. These are not large deals per se, but they're all cash, go private transactions. They continue to seize value. But David, what's the what's the plan? Do they want to wrap them all up? Vista want to wrap up? This is, 
bought a couple companies that I, I never really thought were all that terrific, but you know, they bought them and, and Toma Bravo's put together some very good companies, but yeah. I just don't know what their game plan is. Um, I can't speak to that as well. Uh, I mean, obviously I know the overall game plan is to buy things cheap. <laughs> And then right. sell them or take them public in right, some fashion a number of years later. Point, no Whether they you, put them together in some larger entity that they would right. then look to monetize, I don't know. Um, Duck Creek, I think, had SAS ARR, you know, uh, uh, annual recurring revenue, $169 million. That's what I'm looking. That was up 25% year over year. Net dollar retention of 108%. And it did, interestingly, it reported earnings last week. So, so much for a company reporting earnings. Or not, you know, people focus on an earnings report for when you're going to get a sale announcement. Here it came days after. Um, but that's one of many deals, guys, we have this morning. We mentioned J.P. Morgan. Uh, you want to talk about your CVRs? You can get in the business now of just trying to value these contingent Go value right rights Go that right are coming ahead. from all these deals. Right We've got Syncor Pharma being acquired by AstraZeneca. Nice price on that one. Nice price on that, yes. Big premium. Huge premium. This, by the way, this company, it's the only one I'll tell you what it does because it's the biggest of these three. Uh, Cardio renal diseases. Very very niche area. Hypertension uh, as well. Uh, And they do have one key highly selective oral small molecule inhibitor for uh, for that. Um, You see Amrit Pharma uh, also getting sold. There's 107% premium in Albiero, 104% premium. Wow. These premiums are enormous. And then you get CVRs. Syncor, it's up to 10 bucks in a CVR, but these are non-tradable. Can't do anything with them, basically. Um, but you get this non-tradable contingent value right there of 10 bucks a share. Uh, the other one's uh, CVR, $2.50 on Amrit, and then the, another one could be as much as 10 bucks on uh, the Albiero deal. You know, Albi- you know, Albiero versus, say, All Birds. How about... Uh- how about this one? Duck Creek versus uh, Duck Vineyards, Napa. <laughs> duck, I mean, isn't it Duck Horn? Duck Horn. Duck horn. Duck horn. Duck horn. Well, Delicious, the by the way. Symbol, symbol, symbol uh, NAPA, which is hysterical, right? Uh, there are so many companies that have come public. And we sit here and we look at them and you look at how these how poorly these stocks have acted. Then you say, okay, I see why they have to do 90%. Anybody who's bought in the last well, year. You see that and you say, gee, maybe it is the time to be looking at small cap healthcare, bio companies, biopharma it. companies where I can get a huge potential premium. That said, you know, who There's knows? A, okay, I got a hundred of them, you want them? Right. That's well, that's what you probably have to do. Put together a big yeah, portfolio yeah, and, and then you get the you know, you get the two or three baggers in there if you can hang on. Well, that's called bad investing. It is? Yes, because you're going after companies, many of which have nothing proprietary whatsoever. Right. Versus, say, going after uh, you know, a large oil company where the price of oil is up. I mentioned that is because it's tangible. We're talking about tangible versus intangible. We're talking about high multiple versus low multiple. Mm-hmm. Talking about a reversion to a market that we saw before the craziness. But you have to have stocks go down. I mean, and stocks are going down. I, it's not, you know, David, I'm not that, you know, HubSpot is a very good, Alteryx is a very good company. Atlassian is a very good company. So what? There was a I period where if it. you could, if it, if it helped you code better, then let's buy it. Um, now no one cares about that. It will be interesting to see this year, broadly speaking, how open the capital markets are. You know, last year, of course, we saw um, certain areas of the capital markets say they were closed, but they were quite stingy. 
they were not as active as certainly we had been in the 2021 period. Right. Uh, but we start off fairly well here, obviously, with some deals we've just talked about. Also, Live Nation doing an $850 million uh, convertible senior note deal due in 2029. I mentioned that because Live Nation shares are down about 2% on the possibility, on the possible uh, dilution that will take place as a result of that transaction. But, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing from bankers is we're, we've adjusted to this new world. The markets right, just right. have adjusted to a certain extent. And we have a, a hope and a plan, who knows, uh, that we're going to get a lot more business done but this do year. I think a lot of the PE companies, the big ones, are set up to be able to do deals. I, I thought, by the way, that, that the Blackstone uh, you know, brouhaha was handled incredibly well. And at the end of it, I felt, you know what, Blackstone's got it under control. But do, does anyone have any firepower in that area to do deals? I mean, the private equity firms have plenty of firepower in the sense that they have all raised significant funds. The question is, um, you know, financing markets remain somewhat unsteady. Right. Again, the, the deal, the Vista deal this morning didn't really go to the financing markets at all, from no. this is my understanding. That said, you can get it. It obviously impacts your return. Rates are higher. We all know that. But prices are far lower. So th that's the question. But... I'm hearing, you know, listen, hope springs eternal. It's the beginning of the year, but I, there's a lot of people who seem optimistic, Jim, but, that, but that this is going to prove to be a better year overall for the capital markets. Now, I'm not just okay. talking m and I'm talking broadly speaking. Well, if that's the case, what do we do with Goldman Sachs, where they decided to do a kind of a St. Valentine's Day massacre there? And the stock's up. Uh, like it, it would be one of the biggest uh, like job it. cut rounds they've ever had. About a third of the cuts reportedly coming out of uh, a trading uh, and banking. Uh, they do have earnings on the 17th, so we'll know more by then, hopefully. Yeah, I think David Solomon said on my show, listen, if it's underperforming, it's not going to stay. Well, yeah, they had 48,000 people. They hire 3,000 3, younger people a year just to replenish the ranks. So you do need to put it in perspective in terms of Goldman. Um, you know, my understanding, technology and engineering, uh, they continue to have to, up to upgrade their tech stack. Right. But it's other areas. And, you know, Solomon, he's the guy who, listen, he thinks there's still, what, a 50% chance we have a recession, well, even if it might not be that deep this yes, year as opposed to... the fintech back end. Yeah. How about the fintech back end? You know, it's a lot of people involved there not making any money. I don't know. It's worth following because they seem to, they seem to make a lot of money in trading that really still masks and people don't, I don't know if people are going to give them credit for it. No. Uh, Tesla's worth watching today, uh, unwinding some of the losses from last week. Uh, City today says the Q4 setup's getting better, although B of A does cut their target, uh, Jim, back to 135. They were at 275. Well, B of A, isn't that keeping with what Mike Wilson said, which is that, listen, don't get, just don't get carried away. Mike Wilson, by the way, um, he's sticking with the negative view. And so he is... He's the guy on the Red Hot crew. <laughs> right. Top rated last year. We'll yeah, see if he can repeat. Uh, you know, we got situations like a like a five below, David, to put out a good number. Small, you know, small growth, positive. Hey, man, good. It's, it's, it's not easy to get it right one year, but if you can get it right two years in a row as a strategist, oh, then you are you go to the Hall of Fame. Well, how many Super Bowl com uh, teams have won twice <laughs> in a row? Right. It's very, yeah. very hard. That's really but hard. But I wanted Wilson on this morning just to be able to say, look, you, you're, you're really sticking with it. Wouldn't this be the time to be able to say, you know what, it's starting to go my way and I have to be a little better, more well, positive? Well, half of his note is about the pushback he's getting from his, on his thesis from clients. I know, you know? I know. I, I, I'm a huge believer that the guy's got, he should get a grace period before he's 
He, he's been dead. By the way, he could still end up being right. He could be right. Very much so. We're he could be right. one week of but trade. But, David, this is the year of good feeling. The year always starts like this. Where, remember when there used to be, like, Reynolds Metals, the stock will be up by 25%. Phelps <laughs> Dodge. That are, I remember calling from Disney. There's a small world after all. Speaking to someone in pay phones. And, Reynolds Metals, that's up $3. Short Reynolds Metals. You know, it's, it's, oh, I remember the kids Reynolds like that. Metals. Um, you know, we talked about tin Tesla foil. guys. Remember, which, that's what we used to call it, tinfoil. T- uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't, Tesla's was any shares are still down. They're not participating in the era of good feelings that Jim... Uh, mentioned, but stock up over 4% today, but down 4% for the year. Um, he's got this trial coming up, Mr. Musk, yeah. in, um, well, he doesn't want it to be in San Francisco. It's, it's a securities fraud trial related to the 420 bid. Remember back, right. way back when, um, back in 18, or was it 17? I forget. Move to Texas. I, I mean, he wants to move it to Texas. He says it's a, shopping. There's a substantial portion of the jury pool in this district, that's San Francisco, is likely to hold a personal and material bias against Mr. Musk as a result of recent layoffs at one of his companies, that would be Twitter, as individual prospective jurors or their friends and relatives may have been personally impacted. Wasn't that oh, many layoffs, was it? People in California. Yeah. Um, but in Texas, what, they all kind of like They it. want to move it to Texas. Good luck with that. We'll see. But by the way, when it does begin, Carl, uh, scheduled to begin on the 17th, so theater. next week. More theater. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, and there are some things at stake for Mr. Musk as well in that trial. <laughs> Jim what? winces. Yeah. Well, you know, Texas guy. Uh, Meantime, good for him. Uh, near 1% gains on the NASDAQ this morning. Uh, J.P. Morgan's annual health care conference, as we said, is kicking off today in San Francisco. Meg Terrell is there and has a very special guest. Morning, Meg. Good morning, Carl. Our special guest is Merck CEO Rob Davis. Rob, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Well, thank you for having me, Meg. I'm happy to be here. So a big question everybody's got for Merck, of course, is you have Keytruda, this amazing cancer drug, but it makes up so much of your business. Yeah. And a huge question is, can you diversify away from it? I think you have some news this morning, potentially along those lines. Well, you know, I appreciate the question. You know, first and foremost, I'd say we're really excited about the performance we've had over the last uh, 12, 18 months. The company's been doing exceptionally well. But, you know, obviously we've been very focused on addressing uh, the, the next decade, if you will, beyond Katruda. And, you know, I feel really good about the progress we're making in R&D, both in terms of our internal program, but how we've been able to augment it through business development. You know, and, and what I'm really happy about is, as we're looking now in oncology, we now believe, as we look at our ability to broaden in oncology in new mechanisms away from Katruda, that we have the opportunity to generate greater than $10 billion in revenue as we look uh, out into the early to mid-2030s from a suite of ADC products, from a suite of small ADC molecules. antibody drug conjugates. Antibody yeah. drug conjugates, <laughs> yes, yes. And small molecules that really cover a whole suite of mechanisms. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm excited. We have more to do, but it shows that the, the engine, both internally and through BD, is working. And we're starting to really make real progress as I think about how do we have a sustainable engine for the company long term. And I might just add, that builds on the $10 billion we've been talking about from our cardiometabolic portfolio as well. So really, you know, a lot more to do, but my confidence today is really high Mm. as we look forward. I think the company's in a great position. I think I saw one estimate, maybe it was from Bank of America, that Keytruda could make up more than 45% of the company's revenue over the next few years. Is that accurate or through what you're saying, is it not going to be that high? Well, no, if if you look, and we haven't ever given specific guidance to what percent Keytruda will be, but Keytruda is going to be one of the most meaningful 
drugs that have ever been launched if you look at total revenue potential. So it's big. You know, and, and that's important. And as we look forward, as we go out to the decade, it's about expanding, extending, and deepening what we can do with Catruda. I want to maximize uh, Catruda, and we're going to do that. And I believe that the value of Catruda will have, have life well into the future. So we're going to focus on that. But you know, for me, it's less about Catruda. It's more about the suite of total opportunity and the engine for long term. And I feel really good about what we have there. Mm. Jim, question? Davis, I know that uh, you are someone who has really decided we're going to break with that period of pharma where we're going to pay big dividends and buy back a lot of stock. We're going to plow it into research. What makes you as confident uh, as you are that this is the way to go? Because I think you must understand that is a little deviant from what became a big pharma. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. And, you know, we are uh, remaining committed to the dividend. So we have been investing and growing the dividend. But you are right from a share repurchase perspective. We are prioritizing, I am prioritizing investment into the business. You know, as I look at it, if you think about growth and what creates value in this industry, it is showing you have a sustainable pipeline of innovation that benefits patients. And, you know, to me, if you see the opportunity to invest in programs you have confidence in or to bring in business development deals to add to it, like what I just talked about in oncology, that, you know, that's something that we want to continue to do. And I think that is the path to value creation. And if you look at how our stock has performed in the last 12 months, part of it is the you know, exceptional performance, frankly, we had in 22. But I think a big part of it is the progress people are seeing in the pipeline, the progress they're seeing and how we're able to augment that through business development. And, and that is what I believe is giving people confidence in us. I can tell you, it's why I have confidence in the strategy, but I think it's being reflected back to us in what you're seeing in the stock. And you mentioned that 10 billion, both from cardiovascular, another 10 billion from oncology. That's from stuff you've already done, you already have in-house. Correct. So this is a big business development conference. How much more should we expect from Merck? Well, you know, uh, while I feel very good about what we've done, we've got to continue to do more. Uh, and so, you know, we are very focused. We have several opportunities we're looking at right now as we look into uh, 2023. Hopefully we'll be making announcements as we go into the year. So I'm in no way want people to feel like I feel like we're finished. We're very focused. We're very disciplined. I'm still driving the company to move with speed and urgency. But, but hopefully what you're hearing is the confidence that I do see the, the opportunities out there. And so you are going to see us continue to do uh, business development. And, and as I said, I think you're going to see some stuff as we move into the year. Mm, potentially major deals like the ones we've seen recently, smaller ones? Yeah, well, you know, our focus is on science. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that we think the best path to that tends to be the smaller bolt-on deals. Um, and, and sometimes I think people want the sexy acquisition. But in reality, often the partnership or the collaboration brings interesting assets. You know, it's, if you look at what we did in 2022, and there was uh, you know, a lot of discussion of our business development in that, in that window, we, through deals we did just in 22, have four assets that will be starting phase three studies in 2023, which will provide meaningful growth potential. Probably one of the most important ones, and by the way, this is excluded from the greater than $10 billion number I referenced earlier, is the personalized care vaccine yeah. uh, we're partnered with Moderna. Moderna on. I can tell you, we think that is a, a big opportunity. It's probably too early to dimensionalize it yet. We need to see more. We're moving first into melanoma, but we're already thinking about how we can broaden into other tumor types. And you know, this is really exciting that the, to really for the first time have a, a cancer vaccine in combination with Keytruda that can make a meaningful difference. 
and really starts to move us to start to think about how do you make cancer a chronic, a chronic mm. situation, not, not a death sentence. Yeah. And that, you know, that's why we do what we do. That's what I'm so proud about this company. And I'm really excited by what I'm seeing as the progress we're making. Yeah, those are exciting results. And I want to talk to you more about them. That's all the time we've got now. Rob, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. All right, guys, sending it back to you. And coming up, of course, in the next hour, Pfizer CEO Albert Borla from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. Meg, we're so grateful to have you back on the beat. Uh, Meg Terrell out at J.P. Morgan this morning. As we go to break, uh, watch bonds today. Got the two-year right around 4.23. June Fed funds below 5, was just above 5 prior to the jobs print on Friday. Uh, We got a little Fed speak today with uh, Bostick and Daly, but the main event for the week is going to be CPI on Thursday. Back in a moment. Watch Apple today. Uh, About a two-week high here, going back to the 23rd of December. Uh, We've got some constructive China headlines, actually some headlines regarding the number of iPhones being made in India, uh, surpassing last year's uh, levels. And by the way, it is the 16th birthday of the iPhone uh, unveiled by Jobs today in 2007. Back in a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Yeah, JMP has a really interesting note today about a digital assets, which covers Coinbase. Crypto needs to get serious. Near and longer term considerations for the industry and its infrastructure, including leaders such as Coinbase. Coinbase can bounce because nothing bad happened this weekend. I reiterate that the SEC is uh, very, very negative on this group. And uh, I think that we're going to see many people coming forward trying to race to the, uh, let's say, to the court before someone else does for some of these other companies, and this industry must be avoided. Well, the SEC certainly aggressive on former McDonald's chief Steve Easterbrook today. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's on tonight? Okay, so I've got I've been doing a lot of utilities because they've been so good. Uh, Exelon, and then, you know, by the way, that might be the best performing stock, a major stock in this performance, ConAgra, because they've been able to raise the price and not have sales get hurt. So, I mean, food doing incredibly well. we got to be careful here because as we readjust uh, the companies that had high multiples, they're just going to keep going lower every, t- every time you get a chance to sell you guys. High multiple names. Yeah. Uh, Jim, it's nice to have the three of us uh, back. Terrific. Yep. Thank you. We'll see you tonight. Mad Money, 6 p.m. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.